It is good to be with you. I've been looking forward to this. And uh, Pastor Kevin came and said, hey, what, would you speak for me this summer? Uh, this is what's uh, happening. And I, I would love for you to jump into our series. And the series that you're going to have happening all summer is a summer in the Psalms. And I'm looking forward to uh, just being a part of that with you. Many of you I know, many of you I don't. And I love that. I love that because the church is not a club. It's not exclusive. It is always welcoming. It is growing. And I, I'm reminded of these words from Jesus where he said, I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's his. It's his. And we're, if you know Jesus, if you have put your faith in him, you're his. And he's building you and he is saying, I have plans to use Restoration Church. And he's going to do that this summer. Uh, I was already a part of our service, the 9 a.m. service at Harvest in uh, Selah. I got to be a part of that this morning, got to worship there, and then I got to come and just be blessed. I, in fact, I want to do this. Would you just say thank you to the worship team this morning? Would you do that? Would you do that? So grateful uh, for that. So grateful for Pastor Jacob uh, making uh, just lots of things, taking care of lots of things so that we can gather and worship in this place. So grateful. And I was thinking about how you're investing. And you are investing. You're investing uh, right now in Pastor Kevin and Samantha in the family as you have given them. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for giving them sabbatical so that they can be refreshed and return and see Jesus do great and mighty things with just renewed, uh, just a, a, a spirit that is full again uh, to be able to do that. As you invest in the diets, it's an investment in the church, it's an investment in the kingdom. And so this might be new for you, sabbatical might new, be new for you, uh, but as you learn from it, it's a great opportunity for the whole church. I was thinking about uh, Kevin, and uh, he... At one point, he was serving with us at Harvest in Selah as one of our elders, and I really wanted to hire Kevin. I really wanted him to come on staff with us and serve with us, and then <laughs> Jesus had other plans. Have you ever said that? I have a really great plan. This is going to be a good plan. Why doesn't he come and serve with us? And, and the Lord said, you know what? I think I want to plant a new church, and I'm going to use Kevin in that way, and there was part of me that said, oh, I'm so excited about that. And I am. I am excited about what the Lord has done. And the truth is the Lord knows best. Amen? Amen simply means I agree with that. If you don't know what amen, you're like, why do we always say that at church? That's weird. Amen simply means I agree with that. The Lord knows best. Amen. Amen. As we acknowledge that together, we're going to be opening God's word this morning. And we've just read it uh, on the screen, it's going to be there. And so I'm going to invite you, if you have a Bible, uh, would you take it out? If it's a paper Bible, great. If it's in a digital Bible, great. But I'm going to ask you to find the book of Psalms, uh, and you'll see that it is Psalm. That is, uh, that is the singular version of it, and we put them together and we say Psalms in a plural sense. But we'll be in Psalm 139, and this is how it will go for you this summer as each week, Somebody will be looking at a part of a psalm or a whole psalm together, and we're going to try to accomplish a lot today as we let God pour into us, and let's just let him do that. We're going to be in Psalm 139, 139, and anytime I open my Bible, I've written here in the front in permanent markers so that I can't miss it. 
that I know what the Bible is about. And you should know that as well. I've written it this way. The Bible is about, number one, who God is. Psalm 139 is going to talk all about who God is. The second thing is this. The Bible is about what he has done. It is simply a record of what God has done for us. And then the third thing is to see how we respond to who he is and what he has done. So many people approach the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts, or they just a, a little chicken soup for the soul, and that's not how the Bible is put together. As we understand how the Bible is put together, and we approach it in this way, God, teach me about who you are. Teach me about what you've done. And then teach me about how to live in response to who you are and what you've done. That will take us to the Psalms. And you might not have used this word psalm a lot in your vocabulary this week, but here's what the definition of a psalm is. A psalm is a noun, a sacred song. We just, we just had the chance to sing some sacred music focused on Jesus, focused on what he's done. Yes and amen. I love that. I love that. A sacred song, a hymn, or a prayer. If you've ever written out a prayer before, some of the Psalms you'll see just simply are prayers written out. In particular, any of those contained in the biblical book of Psalms and used in Christian and Jewish worship. The Psalms will be used in both Christian and Jewish worship. And today uh, we're going to see who God is. We're going to see what he's done. And then we're going to learn how we are to respond to who he is and what he's done that's what Psalm 139 is going to show us. And so I just want us to take uh, this opportunity to just a feast on God's word and to see it for ourselves. Psalm 139, if you have your Bible open there, I'm just going to take a section at a time and, and say, Lord, show us who you are. Show us what you've done. Show us how to live. Here's what it says in verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Don't go any further than that. If you would underline known... Uh, as a part of this first verse, and then you'll go all the way through this psalm, and you'll see that this is idea of knowing, knowing, knowing to be known again and again. In fact, the title of the message this morning is Be Known. Be Known. Be Known by who? Be Known by the Living God. Be Known. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You, have, you know, there it is again, underline that. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. That should make you a little unsettled at one point. You know everything. I know it all. That's what the Lord is telling us. I know it all. You search out my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with my... All my ways, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you, anybody, you know it. You know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And I just wrote in the margin of my Bible, it's not a heavy hand. It's a gentle hand. It's a caring hand. Such knowledge, there is that understanding of knowing, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And one of the things I love here is David is admitting, as he's writing this out, he's writing this down, a song, a prayer. He's saying, I'm not God. 
I'm not God. I don't know everything. But Lord, you are. And you do know everything. And so let's just just dive into this. What we think about God and our relationship to him determines a lot. It determines how we think about everything else. What we think about God determines what we think about everything else. And there's a lot to think about in our busy world. There's a lot going on. We can think about other people. We can think about the expanse of the universe. We can think about God's word and all the many things that God wants to teach us there. God's will for us. We can think about sin, our sin, the sin of those around us and how that impacts our lives. Faith and obedience. Now, get this, get this very clearly. Wrong ideas about God will ultimately lead to wrong ideas about who we are. If I'm wrong about who God is, I will get it wrong about who I am and about who you are. If I'm wrong about who God is, then I'll be wrong about what I should do. And that leads to how we lead a life that is off the path that God wants for us, leading to a wrong destiny. We must understand who God is and get it right. Be very clear about who God is. In other words, theology, the study of God, the right knowledge of God, it is not just something that you should dabble in. It's essential. We've heard a lot about essential. How many of you are sick of that word? Essential. Essential. You're essential. You're not essential. Your job is essential. Your job is not essential. Essential. God is essential, and the right understanding of God is of ultimate importance. It is essential. Theology is essential to live out a life that counts for eternity. I love that David, the writer of this psalm, he is contemplating God. He is thinking about God. He is thinking about who God is. And he wrote this down for us so that we might enjoy a right relationship with God. I just wrote this. This song is a contemplative song. I'm thinking about who God is. I'm thinking about what he knows. And as I think about that, it directs me toward him. It directs me to live for him. The key word again here in this psalm is the word know. You can see it in verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, verse 6, verse 23. It is all throughout the psalm and that you would know and be known. Know God and be known by him. Be known by the living God. I would urge you to every place you see it to underline it. And then there's this idea where we look at verse 23, and we'll get there, that he says, O Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You searched me and you've known me. And that word search that we'll come to as we, as we look at this psalm together, that means that God hasn't just kind of given you a little, a little passing glance. It means he's given you a deep dive. Search in this, the verb here in verse 23 says, to examine with pain and care. The Jewish people use this word to describe digging deep into a mine. If you were after something precious, precious metal, maybe gold or silver, you would search for it. Or it would also mean exploring the land, like the promised land. We know the Jewish people, that meant so much to them. Or investigating a legal case. Make sure you've done your homework. God has done his homework on each of us. 
He has done his work. In fact, I want to give you four things about God today, four things about God that you would just hold on to and walk away with and say, that is important. Number one, number one, God's knowledge is overwhelming. Just, just say it this way. God's knowledge is overwhelming. It's too great for me. In fact, we use this word often about his knowledge and how overwhelming and consuming it can be is this word omniscience all-knowing. God is all-knowing. And it's not just a passing glance. It's not passing knowledge. This is a deep and thorough knowledge of us. In the medical world, we have, had sev- we have several levels of knowledge. Now, I-, I know this just in part because in February, I broke my leg severely. This is the first day I'm, I'm actually standing and preaching with a shoe on both feet. And so I- I'm just like, oh man, it's been such... I've had more uh, exposure to the medical world than I care to have. But here's some of the knowledge that you can have. Different levels of knowledge in the medical world. There's the office visit knowledge. There's the x-ray knowledge. There's the CAT scan knowledge. The MRI knowledge. The biopsy knowledge. And then there's full-on surgery knowledge. And I'll never forget this. At my last uh, appointment with the orthopedic uh, surgeon, he came into the room and he's not looking at me. And he says, he says just out loud, you look great. I'm over here. What he's looking at intently was my x-ray. He said, you look great. I'm sitting behind him. He said, you, this, is, this is really, you know, right on. Oh, I'm, I'm so encouraged for you. I'm like, I'm over here. Look at me. The psalmist is saying the living God has a deep and thorough knowledge that is always, and, and get this, God is always completely accurate about you. We get it wrong about other people many times. Well, I thought you might be feeling this. Well, don't feel feelings for me that I'm not having. Many times we get it wrong about others and about situations we get it wrong. God never does. His knowledge of us is always accurate. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. Where you're saying, I need God to get it right. He will. His knowledge about us is always accurate. He describes this knowledge in this way about us. David says, you hem me in. I love this. Behind and before. Nothing will escape your gaze or your knowledge. I will often pray this, and I would encourage you, this is a great thing to pray for people. When they say, hey, would you pray for me? Stop right then and pray for them. Pray this. Lord, would you go ahead of us? Lord, come behind us. Lord, would you walk with us in the middle of this? Go ahead of us. Come behind us. It's called hemming you in. That the Lord knows what is in store for you. He has not forgotten where you've come from. And he is ever present with you in the middle of what you're going through. And he says, in a very kind way, you lay your hand upon me. I think about that, putting my hand around one of my kids and letting them know I care about them. I think when somebody's hurting and you reach out and you put your hand on their shoulder and you pray for them, Lord, you lay your hand upon me. So good. He knows us. He knows us. Now, here's the good news. And loves us anyway. He knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. There's something about being fully known that does give, there's a little something that rises up in your soul that 
is unnerving. He, the psalmist says here, it causes him to be overwhelmed. It's too much for me, David says. It's too much for me to know all this or, or to even to get my arms around it. It's too high. I can't attain it. I can't know all of that. I can't handle all of that. But you can. Thank you, God. Now look at verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Notice the spirit is capital S, Holy Spirit. Where can I go from your Holy Spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that is the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, I wrote in my Bible right there, Jonah knows this. Jonah knows this. If I make... If I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not night, is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. Put a little pause right there. Second thing you need to know about God today. The first, the first thing you come to and say, God, your knowledge your knowledge is overwhelming. Second thing is, God, your presence is inescapable. Thank you, Jesus, that there's nowhere I can go where you are not already there. Theological word for this, omnipresence. Omnipresence, omniscience, all-knowing. Omnipresence everywhere at the same time. He is not limited like we are. You cannot contain him. You can try, but he will not allow it to happen. David really is pondering this, and he is awestruck by the depth of God's knowledge for him. And if you say, you know so much about me, sometimes that causes us to back away. You know a lot about me, and I, I want to just, I'm not sure I like that. It makes me uncomfortable. It can kick in a fight or flight mechanism that many of us know well. Fight means I'm, I'm, I'm coming at you. You know too much, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. Flight means you know too much, I'm getting out of here. Think about this. David, who is the author of this psalm, he is also the one who did not back away from the giant, from Goliath. He knew how to fight. And yet, in response to who God is, he is so unnerved by the fullness of God's knowledge of him, it makes him want to flee. Where can I, where can I go that I could, could get away from you? Where, where, is there anywhere I could go? And there is not. Very quickly, he realizes there is nowhere to run. Have you ever heard this little, uh, it's a, a part of a song. My mind often thinks in songs. I, today I'll go out of here and some of this uh, worship uh, time and music will be stuck in my head. But I always have this, if David had a song in his head, it might be this, got to get away, got to run away, got to. If he were saying this, but there's nowhere to go, David. There's nowhere you can get away. You could say, I'll, I'll go to the heavens. I'll go out into, the Bible always teaches that there are three different heavens as, as we understand it. There's heaven where the birds fly. There's heaven where the stars move. And then there's heaven where God has his throne. There's nowhere. I could go into deepest space where the stars move. I could, I could go anywhere, but I can't get away from your presence. Thank you, God. I could go to the grave, but you've got the grave handled. 
if If I moved as far east and came all the way west, you've got it all. Uttermost parts of the sea. Again, I wrote in my Bible, ask Jonah, he'll tell you. God is there as well. Did anybody see that this guy in Massachusetts was swallowed by a whale this week? And then it spit him back out. And like he went home the, the same day. How was your day, honey? How was your day? It wasn't bad. Other guy got swallowed by a whale and spit out. And then I went to the hospital for a time. But I'm home. What's on Netflix? No matter where you go, God is ready. I want you to just hold on to that. No matter where you go this next week, God is ready. God is ready to offer you his leadership and his protection. He's ready. The loving hand of the Father is ready. He is ready to lead you. Listen, many of us who have been around who God is, we've been exposed to who he is. Sometimes there are portions of our life where we feel like running. Like Jonah, we feel like running. And we want to get away. And today as I read this, I say there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Jesus asked the disciples, are are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? And Peter, and one of the most brilliant things that came out of his mouth, he said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where would we go? There's nowhere to go. You have the words of eternal life. Today, if you've been running, I just want to encourage you with this. Stop running and come home. Stop running and come home. If the darkness can't hide you, then it's time to just acknowledge the best place I can be is in step with the Holy Spirit. He's ahead of me. He's behind me. He'll walk with me. He hems me in. He lays his hand upon me. God's knowledge is deep. His, not, his, his knowledge of us is so deep, it's so thorough, it's, so, it's complete. And God's presence is inescapable. Instead of being afraid of that, we say, I'm going to rest in that. He knows everything about me, and he loves me anyway. Thank you, Jesus. The third thing I want you to see about God today is this. God's power is amazing. God's power is amazing. Third theological word today is omnipotent. His power has no limit. We are not omnipotent. We're just not. Oh, hey, look at that. This is good. All right, this is good. You ready? Here you go. All right, that's good. I need more of that in my my Sunday's preaching. I didn't see that coming. I did not have omniscience. I wasn't even able to stop it in the right time. No, I'm not omnipotent. But God is all-powerful. God is amazing. Look at verses 13 through 18. And I I just love these, these verses as they teach us about who we are in response to who He is. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now now stop. There's a tie-in between verse 12 and verse 13. Because he was talking about the darkness is not even dark to you. Darkness is as light, the light with you. All of us were formed in darkness, in the darkness of the womb. We were formed there 
but God saw it as if it were day. Brilliant and bright. He hasn't missed a thing. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made by you. Wonderful works, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. If I'm honest, if I'm honest with myself, my soul knows that you only make good things. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I wrote right in my Bible, embryo. How we would say it today. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Whew. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. You haven't gone anywhere. I love this. So in this, these verses, verses 13 through 18, David is combining his God's omniscience, all-knowing, omnipresence, all everywhere present at the same moment, and omnipotence, and he's saying it was all right there happening in the womb. I love that. You knew everything. You saw everything. You were present every moment. Now, I know that in recent years, the wonders of technology have exposed this. David is speaking as if he knew about ultrasound, 3D and 4D. He, he is speaking as if he has intimate knowledge of this, but nobody had that in those days. That is so recent. We are so blessed by that. Because we've had a little light shed on what is happening in the dark and magical world of the womb. Uh, if you've ever experienced and been around a birth, amazing. My wife and I have five kids, and I wept at the birth of every single one of them because it just astounds me. God's hand, a sheer miracle, love it. Now, I, I just want you to get this, and if you're a note taker, get this. God makes no mistakes. He does not know how, and he's all-knowing, he does not know how to make junk. He makes only things that are good. That's all he makes. That's all the living God makes. He only knows how to make that which is good. And he knows us. He knows us from the very first moments. Your eyes saw my unformed body, my embryo. In your book were written every one of those Every one of what? Every one of the days of my life. He knows our ways. Beginning to the end. He knows all of this before we were born. Now, I, I want to just stop right now because these verses 13 through 18, some people uh, have misused them and have applied a, uh, a story to verses 13 through 18, which is inaccurate. If verses 13 and through 18, you saw them as completely about us, it is actually not about us. Remember what the Bible is about. It is about who God is. God is saying, I knew all of this. I knew everything about you. It's about God and his knowledge of you. His presence. His power. 
But many people have come to this idea in verses 13 through 18, and they, they have projected into it that there's some kind of pre-existent soul bank. If you saw the movie Soul put out by Pixar, it, it uh, was another fresh take on this. That there's some kind of soul bank and that we pre-existed and then we come down and we join bodies. That is actually not new. It is ancient Greek philosophy. It is ancient Eastern mysticism. And it is often taught, if you came out of the LDS church, this idea of pre-existence. That is not what this passage is teaching. God's knowledge, it is telling us what God knows. It's not saying you pre-existed. He's saying, I knew you before you were formed. I knew every day. This is all about God, his knowledge, his power, and his presence. And he's saying, I've created you unique, and nothing has escaped me. Thank you, God. That we can look around at every single person and say, Lord, you know everything. And you know the value and worth of every single person. Now, I, I think about this as we face in our culture issues like abortion and euthanasia. And I'm, I wrote right into my notes here, be very careful. Be very careful. Because we understand that God values every life. But I also know that I come into contact with so many people who have gone through an abortion. Who have a child that they desperately would want back. And you say, what am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with that hurt and with, uh, with that pain? What am I supposed to do with that? Simply we begin by remembering that God knows everything about us and loves us anyway. We remember that His grace and His mercy are greater than all my sin. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. We remember that, that his grace is greater than my shame. He knows us, he loves us, he forgives us. That is what David is trying to expose as he thinks about God in this contemplative psalm. Last verses here, which will feel a bit different. And it's okay if you said, what were those verses doing in Psalm 139? Look at verse 19. Maybe you notice that it kind of, it, these sections have a rhythm to that. Verse 19, Oh, that you would say, Slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies have taken your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And I do, not, do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. This is what is known as an imprecatory psalm. Get them. And David will write that out. Maybe you've written that out in a prayer before. Get him, God. Then pause between verse 22 and verse 23, where he says this. It's not just out there. Sin is not just out there. It's not just some people. There aren't just some wicked people. David says, as I think about that, I am convicted about what's in my own heart. Verse 23. Search me, search me, O God, and know, there it is again, be known, know me. Know my heart, 
Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. All right, I've talked about what I want you to do to those wicked people, but then I'll wait. I'm one of them. Oh, no. Oh, no, I have wickedness. I have sin in my own heart, and it's not coming to me from society. It's coming out of me. Number four today, would you get this about God? God's holiness is consuming. You see, do you have another omniscience, omnipresent, omnipotent? Do you have another word for us? No, I just have the word holiness. God is so other. Verse 19 feels like it doesn't belong. Like, where where are you going, David? Because he's saying, get him, get him, God. David is asking the Lord to act. Oh, that you would slay the wicked people who curse the living God and would join in the destruction of others. Lord, you know that's not right. You know that isn't good. You know that doesn't belong. You know that is against you. David is saying this in a a prayerful way. Come and flex your muscle because I know you're powerful. David is expressing, and maybe you have felt this way this week, that he is tired of fighting all of the wickedness around him. He is tired of dealing with all of the destructive things in this life. And he wants to say, Lord, you deal with it. Actually, that is a wonderful way to handle it. Take it out of your hands and give it back to the one who knows how to handle it. Instead of you trying to figure out how to deal with all the hard stuff in this life, come and ask God to say, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. And you can do it perfectly. Whenever we pray this, think about this. Whenever we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever we begin to pray that, we are asking the Lord to judge the wicked. We're asking the Lord to bless the righteous. We're asking the Lord to make heaven here on earth. David realizes through this introspection that he's going to have to have God examine him because he is part of the wicked. When we understand that the problem isn't out there, the problem is in here, then it changes how we deal with things. Lord, would you begin in my life Would you examine my life? Would you cast out everything that doesn't look like you? God, please, start with me. Whenever we pray that, God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. We're asking the Lord to move. But we must be cautious because we understand who God is. Sometimes we're not even honest about who we are. Listen to this, church. Listen to this. Listen, the Lord, the maker of everything is saying this today to everyone who he knit together in our mother's wombs. He said this, I know you. I know you. There's nowhere you can run from me. I love you. And I have the power. Oh man, give me some good news today. I have the power to change you power to change all of those people around you. So here's what God would say to us. Let me consume you. 
Let me burn up what doesn't belong in your life. Let me do that. Let me do it. In order that you might live a life that counts for eternity. Let me work. Today I would just urge you to say, I want to be known. I want to be known. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. If you're able, would you just stand? Would you do that right now? Would you just stand? And I'm going to ask you to put on the screen for us, verses 23 and 24. And I want us to read this out loud. Use your voice and read this because it's really how David brings it all together. Lord, you know everything. You're everywhere. You're all powerful. And I'm going to ask you, the living God, to consume me in this way. Would you just read this out loud with me? Let's read with with loud voices. Ready? Here we go. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Can you just pray for us right now?